This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to This Week in Bitcoin. Today is February the 12th, 2021. Strong hand, long-term thinking. Bitcoin is next Bitcoin. Don't FOMO on altcoins. One second closer to an all-time high. One day closer to a trillion dollar market cap. All right, I am pumped. We got the best freaking guest in the space here, of course. Corey Clipstein, you make your, Clipstein, sorry. You make your return to the show, long awaited return. Steve Barber, you make your long awaited return to the show too. And Mauricio makes his return to the show. Not, he, he comes all the time, it's great. Um, you're, 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 you're a regular, but it's great to have everybody here, Canadians, Americans. Oh, we're gonna talk about it all today. So it was an exciting week of this week in Bitcoin, okay? There were two all-time highs. Like Monday started out, we're like, oh my, Tesla's buying a lot of Bitcoin. And then all of a sudden Wednesday, we're talking about this bank, BNNY Mellon uh, comes onto the scene here. And uh, so I'll start with Corey. It's, it's been a while, man. Good, good to see you here. I feel like um, I was just here. It was, it was so memorable the last time. It feels like last week. <laughs> it was it was a little while ago actually i i've got the records but what that was my michael saylor impression trying to make the host feel like you're the most important person in the world every single time well thank you i i <laughs> I, I feel honored now let's what news was bigger what news was bigger to you you know all these people always saying all oh, the banks are so evil now the banks are in bitcoin but at the same time we've been waiting for uh elon and tesla to get into uh bitcoin for a while so compare and contrast what did you uh what did you like I mean, obviously, the Tesla news was a lot bigger than, I mean, any of these, really. I mean, I've heard from so many people in the last few days. It was just Monday, wasn't it? God, it was Monday. Like, all week, I've been hearing from people that say, oh, well, now Tesla's in it. And they had no idea about Paul Tudor Jones, no idea about MicroStrategy, no idea about BlackRock, Guggenheim, Fidelity. They don't know anything else that's ever happened in Bitcoin. So, yeah, I'd say Tesla was the big news. Okay. Richest man in the world, most popular public company in the world, easily. So what's your take on the bank, though, on Mellon? I mean, it's a big deal. It's on the order. It's more like the Northern Trust news. And, you know, pull your users and see how many of them knew about Northern Trust before we found out that Northern Trust was going to custody Bitcoin. It's kind of like that. Fidelity is a bigger brand name. So as far as, like, you know, it driving purchasing, like, that news was from 2014. And Northern Trust and, and Boney, you know, and Wine Mellon are kind of, uh, you know, not quite as big a news, I would say. Okay. It's still cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Cool. Yeah, but it's just, I, it's just more piling on. Yes. Pile on, baby. Pound that like button, people. Now, all right, let's go. Uh, Mauricio, what, what, what's your take on uh, Tesla and the bank? Um, yeah, so I think on the Tesla side, obviously incredibly meaningful. I would also agree with Corey that that probably is the most meaningful from a from a just a, a social impact, I guess, uh, because it, it not only is Elon Musk known as a, as a as probably the most well known entrepreneur, he's also associated with futurism. Uh, if you look at his companies and everything he does, it's all basically related to or what people associate with the, the most recent technology, leading edge of progress. Uh, and the fact that he's now signaling that he's basically getting some Bitcoin on the balance sheet uh, of Tesla to the tune of 1.5 billion, it's uh, not only a very meaningful amount, uh, it's, it's coming from a very meaningful company and it's coming from a very meaningful entrepreneur. So definitely going to make a lot of waves. On the BNY Mellon stuff, I think it's, it's obviously not as big a client-facing brand, but my understanding at least is on the settlement side of things, they act as the sort of mesh around a lot of banks around the US, uh, just for, for interbank transactions, et cetera. So they're in the back end of a lot of lending operations and they just basically are, they're really, really big behind the scenes in the banking space. And uh, it, it may not be a huge sort of signal for retail adoption, but it is, I believe, a very strong signal for the, the appetite or at least the, the progress that and the institutions on the back end are making, namely in the US. All right. Hey, I wanna go back to Corey real quick. Did you hear about that? I didn't pay attention to this at all. Some people are making a big deal out of it. MasterCard, you care about that? Yeah, of course. I mean, the, okay. the payment stuff is a big deal. I mean, it's um, Visa kind of charged ahead of them 
a bit. But MasterCard, I think, has more international business. Uh, so it could get really interesting. What yeah, exactly I mean, did they? What exactly did they do? What was the news of? Uh, I, I didn't read the headline. I've been I've been busy selling Bitcoin all week. All right, pound that freaking like button. Let's go back. Let's go up to Alberta, Canada. Time, time, time to go north of the border again. Steve, how you doing? What's what's your take on all the the big news of the week that we just got out of the way there? Obviously, uh, some extremely bullish news, like bullish news after bullish news. It seems so. Definitely big news from Tesla. I mean, I think it's a good uh, good idea from Tesla since they can't make money selling cars. You might as well hold Bitcoin, right? That's one way to make money. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, as you know, I like to make fun of Tesla all the time. But no, I think it was a really good move by Tesla. It's going to be the thing that struck me by it was, uh, you know, they are heavily, they do get a lot of government help, government subsidies, uh, call it state subsidies. So Considering, especially my view anyways, that Bitcoin is sort of, uh, you know, it doesn't really, uh, it's not really gelling with the state, like with state money, with fiat money. Um, what could that mean for Tesla in the future, right? Like, could could that uh, rub some, you know, feathers the wrong way? Um, I guess we'll see. But likely not, likely not. I, I don't think that's, you know, I don't think they're going to get certain uh, subsidies and grants cut over this, but... It, it could uh, have some kind of long-term impact because, uh, and certainly as everyone everyone knows, they they really like to FUD Bitcoin and how dirty Bitcoin mining is. So uh, we've already seen that in the articles there, like some of the articles coming out about Tesla buying Bitcoin. Uh, some of these fiat, you know, journalists are wondering, you know, is this does this make sense for Tesla, this green energy company, to be investing in such a dirty thing like Bitcoin, right? So... Uh, I saw some of those comments on Twitter. I thought it was, I thought it were bots. I mean, it was so mindless. It's like, it's a, just be a green energy company. How could they be getting yeah. into uh, it? I, I'm pretty sure it might've been a bot. I mean, it was bot like, sorry to interrupt you, but it's just, it's so. No, you're, you're totally right. Like there's nothing, there's nothing dirty about Bitcoin or Bitcoin mining. In fact, you know, like as we all here would agree, it's actually maybe some of the greenest technology out there. Right. But I mean, it is what it is in terms of what the mass media and, and the masses uh, think. So I, I just thought it was interesting because it's, uh, I think it was a very good move by Tesla. It's a good move by any business. Um, definitely huge news. Like Corey was saying, like most people, I, I had friends like talk, like bring it up to me. And I have people now, whether it's just the Tesla news or just the, the, the hype in the bull market, like I have people contacting me again now, um, whereas they weren't a few weeks ago, right? So like this news that keeps dropping is definitely um, exciting in the masses. Uh, I think it was on your feed, you mentioned that uh, companies out there should, if they have profits, just turn them into Bitcoin right away and they'll be uh, way ahead of their competitors. Uh, I, I, I'll no, have to say it's true. Yeah, it's obviously true. Like it's it's true on its face because Bitcoin goes up in value. So if you're holding Bitcoin, you're just going to do well, right? But I mean, I'm seeing it like even in looking at my own business and my business is an oil field business. And uh, I look at my competitors who are not involved in Bitcoin at all. They're all struggling. Like they're all like literally on their ass struggling, like barely... A lot of them are going under, right? Like a lot of them are going bankrupt or shutting down or temporarily shutting down. We're going really strong right now, right? Um, and you don't have to be a mining business. You don't have to sell Bitcoin mines like we do. I mean, if you're selling anything, like you're selling pumps, like if you're, uh, if you're any business out there in the world doing anything, if you're taking, if you're converting your profits, like the why you end up putting in your treasury in Bitcoin, you're just going to kill it. Uh, in the long term, and then you're just going to smash your competition, right? So uh, I see that with us and our own competition that doesn't uh, hold Bitcoin, and it's just true for everybody. Uh, I love it. I love it. And uh, people, if you're if you're running a company, but turn your uh, reserves into into Bitcoin, like the big boys are right now. I'm glad you're uh, crushing the competition up north. I want to I want to ask a question to to all the panel here. Uh, have you guys become? Oh, we'll we'll start with you, Steve. Uh, because you can be kind of a bear sometimes. Uh, have you become numb to the all-time highs? I'm, never a bear. I'm just, I'm just. Uh, I like to try to think rationally about things, but I, I wouldn't say I'm a bear. All right. Well, well, we haven't got to fifty thousand yet. 
So um, forgetting about 50,000, these all-time highs that we, we've had two different all-time highs this week. Are you, are you numb to this stuff now? Like to me, I kind of get excited, but like, I don't know. It's like, it's becoming the new normal. Like uh, another day, another all-time high. I like it. Yeah, I I guess I'm somewhat numb. Like uh, I know what I felt like in December, 2017, which is my first main, like my first bull run. And I remember like when it was peaking, like just thinking like, I can't believe this is real. Like, this is crazy. So there was a bit of like a euphoric, like that euphoria uh, feeling. Um, but now I don't feel that really at all. So I don't know if it just hasn't got yet to that level, which I don't think it has. Like, I think, I think like it's got to keep spiking and keep doing its thing before maybe I'll get back to that mode. But I mean, you know, like, uh, maybe time is just hardening us all right against it. Uh, so, you know, it is what it is. I mean, but as a Bitcoin mining company, I still have to sell Bitcoin from time to time. I actually sold some today. Um, yeah, it, it always hurts, but uh, unfortunately, some suppliers don't accept Bitcoin, right? So, it's uh, for for now. For now, they do not. We will we will enter a world one day, hopefully, when they all will. And uh, because I'm I'm offended by selling, but I understand. I understand. What yeah, it's just it's just an unfortunate reality. Yes, our strong hands makes us kind of numb to all these. Uh, well, I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth uh, for these all-time highs. Uh, we'll, we'll go back to uh, Mauricio. First of all, Mauricio, did you know about the MasterCard, whatever that was? I don't even know if anybody knows about that. Uh, that that news, you, do, do you have any knowledge of that before uh, I totally forget about it? Because I just have it written down. I did, I did look it up in case you guys want to know what they're doing. But uh, Mauricio I, I, maybe I, already I, knows. No, I, please, Corey. I'm actually on the same boat as you. We've been so busy. Any Bitcoin companies probably hasn't had time to look at a headline over the last few weeks. So, uh, <laughs> All right, I, have well, wait, I have to wait until we're recording a live show to have time to read something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll get um, Corey. We'll get back to Corey in a second. Mar yeah. Mauricio, uh, what is your take on uh, being numb to all-time highs? Or are you? <laughs> well, I mean... Uh, as I sit in front of the weekly candle for Bitcoin and, and behind me, uh, it, it's it's been basically, uh, you know, uh, new all-time high after new all-time high. Like to Steve's point, I remember feeling last time around in, in the last rally, I remember when uh, I actually made fun of, there was a tweet about one of those memes, a guy that's like, you know, doing great. And then it was basically a guy memeing saying like, I'm buying Bitcoin at 3K for Thanksgiving. And I remember saying from that Thanksgiving on that, that was, I think that was when it went from like three to like 15 or something absurd. And I remember thinking to myself like, wow, you know, who's, who's kind of, who's coming in at these levels and, and buying this. And there was no sort of market signal that it was anything other than retail or just speculative activity driving this whole thing. I think what's very different about this time around is that you're seeing Bitcoin escalate to these new levels with this underlying fear of inflation in the US dollar and with absolute astronomical asset price inflation in the United States. And what I think you're seeing happening is who's running towards Bitcoin right now are the ones who are facing the most inf inflation in the US. And counterintuitively, that happens to be the wealthiest Americans because there's a big difference between asset price inflation and Main Street inflation. Main Street inflation is nowhere to be seen. Asset price inflation is through the roof. House prices in the Hamptons doubled in 2020, doubled. Sales volumes for houses in the Hamptons also doubled in 2020. Um, if you look at the price of uh, uh, bonds, if you look at the price of $100,000 or $120,000 uh, income through bonds, through AAA corporate bonds in the US, that that has come down by like you basically have to have i think it's something like 65 percent more capital in those bonds at the end of 2020 than you did at the beginning of 2020 to get the same money so like the price of annuities is skyrocketing the price of prime real estate is skyrocketing the s p is higher today than it was last year who's making more money so it, all i'm trying to say is like these are all signals that it's basically dollar weakness driving all these prices all these asset prices higher and it shows no signs of stopping we're hitting new all-time highs and you're getting 1.5 billion corporate treasury allocations that's absurd and and that to me does not seem like something that's going to stop anytime soon we in fact when michael saylor did his corporate announcement back in october 
he openly said that it would take six months for any similar company to do the same. We track this. We track this. We put a pin that day and we made a note and we even said it in our newsletters. January, February, expect corporate treasury announcements. And we're starting to see a lot more of those. And I think the, there are so many more likely in the pipe that haven't been announced uh, because they're seeing boards are looking at this. You announce a story, look at my strategy surprise. Like, do you think all these companies don't want to do the same? And so I, I think that's, it's basically going to become a FOMO on a treasury FOMO that is that there's the potential for this treasury FOMO to kick in, which would be a cascade of dollars in, in scales that we've never seen. Yeah. That, that was one of my past questions. I used to ask the panel members, when are we going to have corporate FOMO? So you're saying we're going to have corporate FOMO this month, <laughs> perhaps. We're, we're seeing a corporate don't move as fast as retail. It's not like logging on and signing up, passing KYC on an exchange or even not. If you want to go you can get crazier, you can start speculating in day one. For a board to, to authorize an allocation to Bitcoin, there has to be months of processes and meetings so that everybody signs off. So if people got excited when Sailor did it, if people got excited when Tesla did it, you have to track six months from that point. All right. Let's. Uh, and by the way, GK sent four ninety nine, and he said, "Thank you, GK." He said, "No one told me Mauricio was coming on today. Let's go." That's one of your big fans out there. You know who he is. All right. All right. Let's. Uh, let's go uh, to, 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 to to Corey. Yeah, I was going to hit two things. So the first is just thinking about like where we are in the bull rally, let's say. And so if you if you take the current price divided by the cycle low and then multiply it by the previous cycle low, that'll basically tell you like what the equivalent percentage rise would have been in the previous cycle. And so this is this is where we are and this is why Steven is not feeling like it's December 17th, 2017 or whatever it was. It's because the equivalent price is 2,700 bucks. So it's June, it's June 5th, 2017 right now. In I'd, cycle. I'd, say it's, I'd say it's earlier than that, but okay. well, your, your, in, your formula in is complicated. Terms, in math terms, in, in yeah, math yeah, terms, yeah. it's the same. That's the first time we closed at 2700 for a weekly candle or whatever. And the other thing to think about is, I guess that was uh, that was 11 months after the halving to hit that price because the halving was July of 2016. We're nine months after right now. So basically, we're we're moving faster this time. Which makes me think, like, I think most people's mental models are like, okay, the price went up so much in 2013, right? It went from two bucks to 1100, like 550x. And then it went up, you know, less, right? It went up 108x from 180 bucks to 19,700 in the second cycle. And people are like, oh, well, then that rise is gonna keep getting lower, right? If it went up 550 times and then 108 times, maybe it'll go up like 30 or 40 times this time. And the thing is, we have no idea. We don't know what happens when corporations start buying Bitcoin. It's very possible that the mean for bull markets is a 2013 cycle. We have no idea. So I'm just sitting here and I'm saying like, let's all just keep on like buying Bitcoin because we know it's going to the moon eventually and like stop worrying so much about how high this damn thing goes. We don't know. I, 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 I want to <laughs> add, add one thing when you talk, when you're comparing it to last cycle, uh, and, and that you're saying this time it, it seems like it's going uh, at a, a faster pace. It's going up uh, more. So last time at this point in the cycle, we were dealing with unbelievable scaling FUD. It was unbelievable. If you go back in time, 210,000 blocks ago, uh, that was actually uh, April of 2017. That's the way I, my, my, I do it much simpler than you. I just subtract 210,000 blocks, which is basically 46 months ago, which is April. Uh, uh, and it was major, major scaling FUD that, that, that we're not dealing with now. So that was probably holding the price back quite a bit. And th th this is more natural, but that, that's, 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 that's neither here. There's always, there. there's always a new generation of FUD. The one before that was like, Oh, Gox hacks and freaking Silk Road and government's going to take everybody and you're going to jail. Like that was worse than scaling FUD. <laughs> all right, now <laughs> like the, the FUD you, gets weaker each cycle. You, you looked, and, and we're we're going to talk about the energy FUD, by the way, Steve is going to talk about the energy FUD pretty soon. I'll get yeah. to that. But yeah, what, what's it? Um, do you want the, the MasterCard? Yes. Thing? Yeah, I was going to ask the master. All right. 
so basically they they basically said they are partnering with crypto exchanges around the world and they're going to uh, transmit the dollars across the MasterCard network and then convert it back into the local currency. So it's basically they're doing strike. Okay. Yeah. All right. That that that's cor corporate strike on their their part. Uh, exactly. We'll see who we'll see who wins uh, on that one. I mean, it's it. Comp compete, don't complain. Let them let them do what they want to do. I I want to go back to the uh the, with you just to to was we we start talking about the BNY Mellon. Uh, that was a, a they they they're doing it's it's custody. I mean, this is the beginning. I I, I know it's it's not main. It doesn't. It's not sexy for the mainstream people. You know, it's not Elon Musk or whatever. But we're soon, one of these days, all these banks are going to be banks holding cryptocurrencies for institutions. I mean, so it, it is a big deal. I mean, it's yeah. uh, it, it, yeah, for it's, institutions and retail as well. I mean, I know this is a moment of time for us Bitcoin sellers because, you know, in five years or 10 years, there's going to be a, just a convert button in your normal Citibank account, your Chase account, whatever. You're just going to flip back and forth whenever you want in the banking apps. You know, that's obviously going to happen. Yeah, I, I just think we're we're really I mean, when do you think it's uh, they're going to be at what do you think they're going to be like advertising this on TV? Like, hey, set up your cryptocurrency account at Bank of America. I mean, it seems like we're getting close to that. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, do, do, do you have a take, take on that one? I mean, it's coming. It's Hang just a matter of time. time. Just a matter of time, baby. All right. Let's uh, let us move on to uh, someone who made news here, who loves to uh, make news. Andrew Yang, who is uh, infamous, famous for making, uh, bringing the the, uh, the the check the monthly check the UBI to the mainstream I mean when he started talking about it it was a joke now the specter of UBI um, is probably part of the reason that the Bitcoin price is uh, pumping a little bit you know uh, we, we don't know what's next in, in the United States of America but uh, for, for a guy who who believes in uh, money printing he says that he wants as mayor of New York, uh, the world's financial capital, I would invest in making the city a hub for Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. So I, I don't know if I could believe this dude anymore. I mean, he was supposed to be an outsider and then all of a sudden he's endorsing Biden. Um, there's a lot of politicians now, whether it be in Reno, whether it be in Miami, that are that say they're going to make their cities uh, crypto cities. Now again, he's not mayor yet. This might just be a, this might just be a, a straight up gimmick to get some attention. He's leading in the polls, but uh, so uh, I, I, who should I start with? Well, you're an American, Corey. I got I got to start with you. Uh, do you think he's telling the truth here? Do you think this is a, a serious uh, thing? And do, do you think a city is really going to step up anytime soon, or is this just a marketing gimmick uh, to become a crypto city? I mean, you're already seeing, like you said, like Miami is throwing down for Bitcoin. Uh, Reno and some of the Nevada cities are pretty confused and they think that crypto is a thing. Um, but, you know, I think it makes a lot of sense for New York, the financial capital of the world, to try to be the financial innovation capital of the world. They should. It's hilarious that they went the other route behind Lasky for a few years. Um, but even he seems to have seen the light. I mean, he's general counsel for NYDIG, which is Ross Stevens' company. Everybody loves them. So, you know, the, the evil bit license guy is now on Team Bitcoin. Um, so we'll see. And they and they pulled bit license out of its own little thing. And it's now under the innovation department. And they're softening the requirements and giving people conditional licenses and, you know, no action letters and stuff like that. So it's turning around fast with or without Andrew Yang in New York. The, the issue, though, is, uh, I mean, bit license is restrictive. If he wants to make the city uh, a crypto hub, they're going to have to deal with bit license in Florida. They don't have to deal with there's not as many restrictions in Florida and maybe Nevada. I, I'm more interested in, in, in Florida. Um, yeah. and, and, and on that note of, of Miami, the, the mayor of Miami, I mean, he is really he wants to pay the, the workers in uh in Bitcoin, and I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. But he, he's trying; he's really trying. So, Mauricio, you know about Miami a little bit. What's your take on, on the mayor of Miami and Andrew Yang and all these municipalities? Is it just are they just talking to talk, or what? what are we are we going to have some real stuff here? Um. So I think people forget that politicians are salesmen. 
right? Like they're, they're selling themselves, they're selling for votes. Their, their, their job is to essentially get you to think that what they're doing is interesting or cool, regardless of where you sit, right? Because, you know, you know, some people have to pick up, a, you know, a market persona and focus on that. But politicians are in a different kind of boat where they have to be liked by everybody, right? So they will sell and say whatever needs to be said uh, in order to essentially get as most votes as they can. So, I mean, on the Yang side, I think, you know, it, 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 to me, it reflects the fact that the, there's just lack of critical thinking as far as who, what affects who, right? Because when you're talking about MMT and you're talking about printing, you're literally talking about giving somebody, a, a, you know, a cookie today, but they're going to be hungry forever. <laughs> because when you print a little bit of money to fix an issue, you create a, a bigger issue, which is the inflation and the, dis and the disconnect between the, basically you fuel the gap between people that own assets or don't own assets. Because every time you print money, that money finds its way a little bit into food or whatever, but immediately it finds its way into assets because people are going to look to protect themselves from the devaluation of that newly printed money. So by, by saying, yes, let's go ahead with printing dollars, you're basically saying, I'm okay with transferring wealth from non-asset holders to asset holders, right? But then on the flip side of that, you're saying to somebody, hey, by the way, if you want to buy the world's greatest asset too, to protect yourself, here's a way to do it. Because by the way, we're going to be printing a lot of money. So it's like, it's, it's a way of trying to make everybody happy. But at the same time, you're not really doing this for the benefit of a long-term plan. You're doing it for the immediate plan of you getting elected, right? Um, similarly, when you look at something like, for example, the city of Miami is doing, the city of Miami, by the way, and I have to commend Francis Suarez for the work he's done. He's a great salesman uh, for the city of Miami for tech. Like it's, it's, it's already beyond uh, known that many people in our industry and many companies in our industry are taking an interest in Florida and Miami. A lot of it is because of its weather. A lot of it is because of its framework. And he's just trying to make that process easier. So in that sense, I think he's doing a good job. And I haven't really heard the MMT argument out of him. So I don't really, I can't really speak for, you know, the same things that I was saying about Yang, about basically saying one thing and then saying the other at the same time. But anyway, I, I ranted for a bit, so I'll pause. Awesome. All right. Uh, Steve, I, I'm going to ask you about what you think about Yang and these municipalities, but you've got insight into uh, something a little bit beyond this. I mean, municipalities that might want to you know, do Bitcoin mining one day. I don't know if you have any comment on that. Yeah, I can comment a little, but uh, Yang, I mean, I saw that Yang thing and I just thought hypocrite. Like, I just thought this is what a joke. Like, the guy, the guy is extremely uh, left leaning, I guess you could say. Like UBI, UBI, it's it's like the antithesis of Bitcoin. Like it's uh, you know state uh, governed like distribution of wealth as opposed to individual sovereignty, right? Like it makes no sense. So for him to like support cryptocurrencies, I think I think like what Mauricio was saying, he's just a sales guy. He's just trying to sell people. On, he just wants people to like him and think he's cool. Uh, he seems to flip flop and just blow with the wind like every other useless politician, right? So I don't think there's much there. I think he's, you know, as soon as the wind blows the other way and it's no longer popular to, you know, Bitcoin's not spiking and, and now it's not popular to say you're interested in cryptocurrencies or once the SEC or the government starts banning cryptocurrencies, he's not going to be supportive of cryptocurrencies. Like the guy, the guy's a flake, so not not a lot of uh, good to say about him there. But I, I do like what I've seen from this guy. I forget his name already, but the the Miami guy, Suarez. Uh, Suarez. Yeah, and it seems like a smart strategy. I think he's just doing what he thinks is in the best in interest of the city and his constituency. So I think that's a smart thing to do. And I, I think Miami's been sort of pro, well, maybe open to this whole Bitcoin. And, cryptocurrency thing for a while um there's been a few mining events hosted there and everyone has said a lot of good things about uh having conferences in the city so yeah and i mean municipalities i mean i i have a, <laughs> i come from uh i i made a funny post there the other day but like i, I come from a, a town uh it's right on the border with uh, two provinces and sort of pondering about i wonder if i can convince the you know the people in the town to 
uh, secede from Canada because, uh, uh, I mean, it's, it's surrounded by energy, surrounded by agriculture. Uh, more and more people there are becoming pro-Bitcoin because, I mean, our company made the local uh, newspaper front page recently, and then we had a ton of inquiries like from around just the area over that. Uh, I think people are really waking up to Bitcoin in general. And, you know, I think I sort of am a believer in the idea that in the future, we're going to see a lot more of these like city states, uh, like fractioning of, of the fracturing of like the big countries into smaller uh, states. And uh, that'd be amazing if uh, somewhere like Lloydminster, like my, I uh, call it not really hometown right now. I just moved to Calgary, but Lloydminster would be a great spot for it all to start. Now, uh, do you, can you say anything about the progress of municipalities getting closer to uh, mining Bitcoin? Uh, I can't. Uh, I, I am mining, like my company is mining with a city in, uh, in Alberta. Uh, but I can't say anything on it because I have a contractual uh I basically cannot disclose any of that. Some people, it's it's sort of not that hard to guess who who it could be. There's only so many cities with uh, with an interest in natural gas. But yeah, we've 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 had some interesting uh, things happening lately, and uh, certainly any jurisdiction, like any jurisdiction at all, that that I mean, I just got off the phone yesterday with the regulator from Saskatchewan. Uh, about some gas projects that are going on and we had a discussion on carbon tax and some other things but uh, even then like the regulator I was talking to the regulator they were uh, very uh, positive and, and pro this whole concept of Bitcoin mining off of the, the state's resources it brings more income to them more royalties it's it's just a sort of a win-win for everybody so yeah, I think it's just going to become common to see all this, like with municipalities and, and states uh, adopting this kind of thing. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, really putting uh, their their money where their mouth is. There, um, it's you know instead of uh, having you know Andrew Yang with this as a as a campaign promise, it's it's a lot different when municipalities actually start mining the Bitcoin. So I I look forward to, to seeing that. I, I think that's a, an a interesting use. Of, uh, of resources for these uh, cities or countries or whatever. Speaking about, I, I, I just wanna, we, we talk about uh, Bitcoin bringing down the currencies of, uh, well, some people think it's gonna bring down the dollar. Straight out of Nigeria, here's some news. Cryptocurrency has become a world, this is what the, someone from the Senate said, in, in the Senate of uh, Nigeria. C cryptocurrency has become a worldwide transaction of which you cannot even identify who owns what. The technology is so strong that I don't see the kind of regulation that we can do. Bitcoin has made our currency almost useless or valueless. That is from uh, Senator Sani Musa over there in Nigeria. So uh, we've, we've gotten to a point where uh, public officials in uh, interesting countries are uh, – like expressing fear of Bitcoin and straight up saying that their currencies are worthless. I think that's a good thing. I, I, I think that's uh, that, that that's that's very good progress. Uh, I, I don't know uh, if any of you have anything to uh, Mauricio, do you have anything to say about that? I know you know about rogue nation states perhaps uh, getting into to Bitcoin. Um, but what do you think about uh, 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 Bitcoin bringing down some of these uh, currencies in some of these developing countries and do you uh, when do you think we'll hear that a, a country has uh, bought a bitcoin for, uh, not a rogue state but just a, a regular state has bought a bitcoin for its uh, treasuries yeah no that's a that's a great question uh rogue states don't typically have transparent treasuries <laughs> so that that's that's you know they may already have them but they're just probably not going to disclose them um I'll take a few. I think to, to, to kind of kick this off, I think the, the best it was best put by Ross Stevens in his in his uh, recent interview with Michael Saylor, where he said a government can force uh, its people to use a currency or accept a currency. A government can't force its people to value a currency. And uh, I thought that was very, uh, very true, really, when you look at Venezuela, for example, like Maduro and Chavez and all those authoritarians tried hell or high water to force people to use the Olivar, to like prevent, make the dollar illegal, make it impossible, uh, allow, like, basically make 
hoarding any type of asset that would protect us well. They tried to make it legal. And over time, they just had to wave the white flag and dollarize the whole country because nobody was using the Bolivar. The Bolivar is by all accounts an obsolete currency that is used really by the sort of, you know, only the people that absolutely have to do it. And that's, you know, that's very unfair. And, and so in Nigeria, what I think is happening is they're basically waking up and saying, we can tell people that they can't hold this, but we have no way of actually going there. And the cost to, to a nation to go and audit who has Bitcoin or who doesn't and to take it from them, it's insurmountable. There's there's not enough tax agents in the world that will basically be able to do that. So you have to make a decision as to whether you're going to let this be the course of things and find another way to make money um, or another way to basically stay in power, because that's all the government wants. Um, and I think this is a very interesting acknowledgement from Nigeria because there, there, there will be a tipping point where if you go and say to your people, and I actually thought that Libra was going to bring this tipping point way closer because in these, in these countries, like in Nigeria and Venezuela, the government controls the narrative. They control state media. They ban anyone they don't like. They, basically, opinions that are not agreeing with them will not get aired in mass media. People will not hear about them. They block the internet, they block Twitter. And so what they do when inflation starts rising is it's the, it's the capitalists' fault. It's the people that are here trying to, you, do you use dollars, Miguel or Maria? You don't use dollars. So this doesn't affect you. Do, you know, your life does not revolve around dollars. And they're very, they're, they're very good at spinning this narrative that it's this evil force that is external to them. And it's not the government printing the money that's creating their problems. And they do this by, by basically demonizing the dollar or demonizing any other currency from a foreign country. With Bitcoin, they have a very hard time demonizing it because it has no boss. It has, basically, it has no political agenda. It has no army. It's not here trying to conquer you with its capitalism. So it's just better money. And they have a very hard time basically explaining that. All right. Good, good, good take there. GK says best guest in the space. Shout out to Adam and all the guests. Well, thank you for the 999 GK. All right. Let's, uh, let's go to, uh, who did I want to go to next, uh, with, with this uh, topic of, uh, uh, oh yeah, Corey, uh, who do you, do you think, uh, a nation state, a non rogue nation state is going to be announcing, uh, a, a, a purchase anytime soon. And, and who do you think it'll be? Yeah, we've been talking about this quite a lot, and there are a lot of countries that it makes sense for, like a Singapore or a Norway or whatever. I, I'm sticking with my dark horse. I don't even think it's dark horse. I think it's the most likely is Turkey. Um, I think they have sort of the, the 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 history of their politicians and people in power sort of playing the 4D chess thing and always having to sit kind of between like the Arab world and Iran and Western Europe and Russia and kind of like bouncing things off and you know, having the world's most important waterway, like go through their main cities. They're always sort of playing that real politic game. And um, they also have the highest percentage of people that own gold of any country in the world. And I think they have the highest percentage of people that own Bitcoin already. I was there, I guess it's been a while now, but a year and a half ago, and there were already Bitcoin ATMs everywhere, like Bitcoin stores. You see the word Bitcoin on all the main streets when you're riding around and like, you see it just like you would see, you know, Western Union or something like that. So I know that there have been people uh, talking about Bitcoin to occupy the, you know, semi authoritarian party that runs the country since 2014. Um, you know, BTC Turk is a very large volume exchange and people love it. They're tight with the government. So it's not like it hasn't been sort of in there. They're definitely going down the path of CBDCs, which as we know is basically a way to get government people to research Bitcoin and understand that Bitcoin is better. <laughs> That's a good way of looking at it. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you take your CBDC vitamins and then you get an orange pill. It's great. Uh, well, well, actually, you know, it's, it's interesting you bring up CBDC. Uh, Canada keeps on talking about that. Uh, Steve, any thought on that or on uh, countries uh, buying Bitcoin? Yeah, Canada is definitely, uh, Canada's economy is just absolutely smashed and uh, our debt is just gone through the roof. So there's not a lot of hope here because uh, for some reason they won't turn on the oil taps, which could fix everything in Canada, but uh, it is what it is. So 
Yeah, they're they're moving quickly, uh, or at least they announced they're moving quickly. Like I don't know how fast bureaucrats move, but they're moving quickly with this this CBDC. Um, I don't expect to see Canada um, or any like call it like I won't say first world, but like any nation maybe associated with the United Nations, like any of these any of these nations associated with central banking. Uh, I don't see them adopting Bitcoin in the Treasury. I do see like the smaller nations and, the, and call it like rogue nations, as you're saying, and even the nations that are, have always had trouble with currency sort of doing something like that. Um, what I would expect to see from like a nation like Canada, uh, even the US, uh, before they'll, what I expect is before they adopt Bitcoin in any way, like in the treasury or in any way, like taking it as tax payments, they're probably like I, I've always theorized they might reintroduce um, a competitive money, which might be a sounder money, which might be just like a gold back money, like or go back to a gold reserve or something. Uh, they already Canada, I can't say has any gold. They have no gold. They sold it all. But the U.S. apparently has a lot of gold, if that's true. And I could see them issuing a gold back money at some point to try to compete with this you know, this tidal wave that is Bitcoin. Interesting. Very, very interesting uh, there. But I I, I'll, I will say this. Yeah, I don't think it'll be one of the gigantic uh, uh, countries that's going to uh, all of a sudden have Bitcoin in its reserves. It'll be one of these smaller ones. But something like Turkey, something that'll be uh, somewhat a shocking. CS2 sent five bucks. Bitcoin is a weapon of mass disruption. Pound that like button. I like that. Well, we'll stick with Steve here. Um uh, I know you're not a fan of altcoins at all, so that's why I'll bring up this uh, Dogecoin uh, nonsense with you. Uh, it, the noise is still out there. I don't know if you hear it. I, you, you are on Twitter, so you, you've had to have had it thrown in your face a little bit here. Uh, what do you think about the uh, – is this a sign of a we're, – we're, we're about to enter a tremendous bubble here in cryptocurrency and, and Bitcoin that all these people think uh, that Elon Musk should be worshipped because he got his kids some Dogecoin? <laughs> You know what, man? Like, uh, and I've even said this on Twitter. Like, I think Dogecoin is the only altcoin that makes any sense because it's it's a joke. It's a it's a meme. Like, nobody. I don't think anyone truly takes it seriously, and it's not trying to be some kind of technology that is not really possible. Like a lot of a lot of the things Ethereum has tried to market itself in the past, like other altcoins and shitcoins have tried to do. So. Uh, I do think it's a it's a piece of trash like Dogecoin is, and it's not going anywhere. But you know, I think f as far as altcoins go, like it's a meme coin, and it's a good meme coin. Uh, I don't know about any other coins that are even close uh, to in terms of altcoins, or even close to Dogecoin, and actually uh, being true to its meme. Uh, everything else is sort of just a fraud, um, or or more or less. So. Yeah, uh, I don't. I also don't know if it's like you, you mentioned. Like, is it going to be a, another bubble hype cycle, like maybe the 2016-17 cycle? Like, I, I probably doubt it. Um, I don't think we can ever really predict what's going to happen. So, I, I think the steam will run out of this Dogecoin thing sooner than people hope. Interesting. I, I've had grown men tell me that uh, well, over the internet that Dogecoin is the people's money. So, they, there are people that take it seriously. They don't. I mean. This is the it's scary thing. It's problem, it's problem that all the altcoins have that Bitcoin doesn't have is that they're highly political. Like you can change the, you know, the, the development process in Dogecoin has already changed multiple times over politics. And that's what Bitcoin resists is political influence. So, no, like it's it's not the future of money. Uh, all right. Uh Corey, your company only uh, deals with Bitcoin, but what's your what's your take on this Dogecoin insanity and noise that's out there? Well, I, I want to be very clear that somebody has created SwanXRP.com, so you should definitely check that out. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> so you really, you really should check it out if you're if you're watching this. Check uh, out. Okay, we will uh, check that out, people. Uh, <laughs> I'm no, I'm great. <laughs> we we, uh, we were planning an April Fool's joke, but somebody jumped the gun and and okay. uh, and put it out there. Uh, it wasn't us, but it is funny. Uh, yeah, so no Swan Doge incoming, but uh, yeah, I mean it is it is just like there's no development. The protocol has ossified. There's no development. The monetary policy is ridiculous and sucks, but 
you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It, it can't, it can't exist for the long term and mean anything, but it's a fun meme coin and you can pump it and you can dump it and you can play little games with wall street bet friends and stuff well, like that. I have I'm no glad, interest in that I'm stuff. glad you brought up playing games with wall street bet friends, because that's what I was going to ask you about. Is that mentality like taking over like some bored people that are stuck at home? Like, I'm just going to jump on the latest trend, whatever's on Reddit. You know, I want to get back at the man. And that's what, I mean, <laughs> it seems like people are buying, they think they have a good reason to buy these coins. Like it's some type of revenge. Like, I mean, I think that's what a lot of Wall Street bets people were doing. And they, they've taken that into the Doge space and maybe they're going to uh, take that into other, uh, I mean, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's good to buy anything based on spite and, and getting people back. But I think this is this Wall Street bet mentality is something that's new, and I think it, it's I think it's going to ruin a lot of people. I, I think it's only a I think some people will win on these planned pumps, but these are just these are just like revenge pump and dumps. I, I, I don't know. Do you do you see that mentality like seeping into the space? I mean. Reddit basically discovered penny stock forums. That's all these are. I mean, this is like, that's the way that, honestly, a lot of the people that got involved in 2017, 2018, that had like more money than the ETH millionaires and that pumped these things, they came from penny stocks. They understand that like, that's who came into crypto starting in yeah. 2017. And they're all in crypto now because they understand that you can do the same thing with, with shit coins that you can with shit stocks. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, you know, what is stock twits stock twits is an entire platform. That's basically wall street bets with like a little bit more decorum, but it's the same shit. It's just people like putting out ideas and trying to recruit other people to their trade so that their bit of capital gets levered up a hundred times or a thousand times. What is it when, um, you know, one of these hedge funds put out, puts out a hit piece and goes short and then they publicize it and they go on CNBC and they tweet about it and they make the 70 page slide deck available for wide distribution and get it sent to as many people as possible. They're trying to recruit money to their side of the trade to push that stock down. What do you think Kyle Bass is doing talking about China all the time? He has a massive bet, you know, basically on the Hong Kong dollar breaking. And, you know, he doesn't really care that much about the veracity of, you know, the news that he's pushing, like he kind of cares that it sounds truthy in the Colbertian sense. Like it, it should sound sort of newsy, but if it, you know, serves his purpose and recruits more dollars to his fund or just to take his side of the trade to help break the peg, then he's going to do it. Bitcoiners do it too, or Bitcoin fans or whatever. And I don't like it. I prefer narratives that are not false because I like people to actually understand the truth as much as they possibly can, because that creates strong hands if you actually understand what's going on. For instance, I think that, you know, Real Vision, you know, essentially promoting bunk stats and bunk math from the S2F models, you know, they basically rose to popularity on that because it sounded truthy and it was fun for Raul to promote. And he's a Goldman sales guy that like is looking for something that he thinks that his clients are gonna enjoy. And that will like bring them to the table in this case, not to buy tons of bonds from him, junk bonds and shit, but to subscribe to real vision and like watch his shows. So he wrote it. Right. And what happens when, when Bitcoiners turn a blind eye to false narratives, then you basically lose any sort of authority and you're stuck on Raul's team when he warms up to XRP because he didn't call his bullshit when he was on your team promoting Bitcoin. So stop fucking giving people a pass. Stop just choosing to be aligned with anybody that has a narrative that seems to be helpful for the Bitcoin price. That's how we got Bitcoin for payments in the first place, because we were sucking up to VCs before my time. Like, stop believing in false narratives about Bitcoin. Woo! You brought up that real vision. Pound that like button. A lot of people got something. Yeah, the, the XRP transition was very interesting on his part, to say the least. And that's what, yeah, you got, you got to be you careful. you could tell it was coming by the yes. kid clubs with it. It's by the fact that he never actually like looks at models and like checks with anybody that understands statistics and just throws it out there on the platform. It, it was like what Steve was saying beforehand. Andrew Yang is trying to be cool with the Bitcoin. He was trying to be cool with the Bitcoin to get more people to watch him. I mean, there's different reasons people jump on the Bitcoin bandwagon. I mean, uh, it's it's definitely a bandwagon for some people. And you know what? This is where the this is where the big boys play. We got it. We got to deal with it. 
Um, anyone can get into Bitcoin for any reason. Just uh, don't put these people on pedestals and worship them. I mean, that's a that's I mean, that's what's wrong with society in general today. That so many uh, people just can't think for themselves and and want a leader to tell them what to do and will only make a move if someone with a big loud voice does it. And uh, that's not not a good situation to uh, to get into. So uh, let's uh, let's go to, to Mauricio real quick. You got a lot to. Um, if you have any comments on, on Dogecoin or what we were just talking about, I want you to bring up your proof of reserves too. Uh, the article that's linked below that uh, what, what Ledin is is doing. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Adam. I think listen on the Dogecoin stuff. You know, the the Fed has turned the entire nation of the United States into basically uh, people that now need to basically outpace their their rate of emission, right? So people are essentially uh, they've become traders uh, because they need to create more dollars to keep up with the basically debilitation that the Fed is pumping into the dollars that they have. So it's created proxy a nation of essentially day traders that have to earn more money than the Fed is printing because they know that the dollars that they have are going to be worth it. So I think what you're seeing in Doge is just uh, a symptom of dumping trillions of new dollars into the economy and having people stuck at home and having to make money. Uh, they they are going to they are discovering these things. A lot of people like if you look at I haven't even looked at this, but I, I invite you to look at Google search trends for day trading course or day trading things. I bet you they're vertical, and and it's because it's the mo the only activity that most people can do right now, uh, or or a lot or a large amount of people. So and that's you know to to put a to put a bow on I guess for a second on the on the Doge stuff. The the, the what we've been working really hard on at Ledin was not only our financing round, so we just announced around uh, this Monday, uh, $2.7 million led by Weiser Capital with uh, Coinbase Ventures, um, Kingsway, GFC, and uh, CMT Digital as well. And um, we, which we're very, very proud and, and obviously a huge, huge thank you to all of our team for how hard they work. But the other stuff that we are, I would say equally proud of is that we've become the first lending company to actually have a proof of reserves uh, attestation done by a public accountant. Uh, and that is, uh, we're the first lender in the world to do it. It was obviously a huge lift, but uh, we've always been big on proof of reserves and, been, and this is something that uh, we, we've wanted to essentially double down on. So we hope uh, that this becomes an industry standard and that more, more companies follow suit. All right, proof of reserves, that's a serious thing right there, guys. That's, you know, someone's being honest when they uh, voluntarily want to do that. There, there's so many uh, third parties out there. They, they, they want to hide everything. So proof. Proof of reserves that uh, calls out the third parties and, and makes them uh, more honest. And I'm, I'm glad you're doing that over there. Let's go to uh, Steve real quick here. Uh, Bitcoin, an ultra efficient financial settlement layer that is linked to below. Uh, tell us about uh, you fighting the energy FUD there. Uh, well, you know, uh, I, I'd like to say I've been fighting the energy FUD for years. Um, that was just a, I wrote that at the airport as I was flying home from Maui. Uh, so there's not too much content in that little post, but I mean, the common, you know, it keeps sprouting up. It's going to keep, it's going to spread up more and more is that Bitcoin is dirty. Uh, Bitcoin mining is dirty and it's using up all the energy, et cetera. I mean, these guys, like they, if you Google that, like Bitcoin is dirty or Bitcoin is unsustainable, you see all the articles and they're all pointing to, uh, usually the same metric they have a few metrics they like to use but one metric is like transaction uh, energy use per transaction right like bitcoin has a limit on transaction throughput so they they say okay well bitcoin is using currently you know eight gigawatts or whatever it is and divide by the transaction throughput and, and there you go you have whatever it is like two thousand kilowatt hours per transaction not sure what that actual metric is right now but I just posted like pretty, and I'm not the first one to post this, but like it's a transaction, like a value throughput. Bitcoin might have a transaction limitation, but it has no value throughput limitation. So I just flipped it on instead of dividing uh, total energy consumption by throughput in terms of number of transactions, divide it by what's the ratio in value throughput. And I think the numbers were like, you know, right now, depending on what exact metrics you're looking at, like Bitcoin is settling up to a million dollars per uh, per megawatt hour, I think it was. And that 
in a megawatt hour only costs like about 50 bucks, like for an energy company. So you're settling a global uh, settlement layer at up to like a million dollars of settlement per 50 uh, per uh, megawatt hour or $50 spent in energy cost. Like that's astoundingly efficient, right? Like that's why I called it Bitcoin is an ultra efficient settlement layer. And there's all kinds of different ways you can sort of measure this. Like, and, and a lot of people have, and I linked to in that little post, like at the bottom, a uh, gentleman named Tyler Bain wrote a really good piece. Nick Carter's written some really good pieces on uh, the uh, countering the FUD against uh, the energy of Bitcoin that it's used, right? So, so yeah. And then, of course, you know, you got companies like us and other companies building on oil field waste, uh, which is just flies in the face of the narrative. <laughs> All right, and it's linked to below. All these guys are linked to below. Corey, tell you you're, you've been promoting Clubhouse. What's going on at Swan? Uh, t tell us. Uh, we're 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 nearing the end of the show, so anything yeah. that was left out, bring bring it all out now. Uh, sure. I mean, I don't I don't promote Clubhouse. I just uh, I think it's an important tool. I think it's the um, I think it's the most important social network to launch since two thousand six. So I think we'll look back and we'll say, okay, LinkedIn was important in 2002 and then Facebook in 04, YouTube in 06, and then nothing was really important until Clubhouse launched in 2020. Um, so that's my view. I think it's the most important one for businesses and for sort of like networking and, and education about, you know, topics of economics, finance, business, whatever, since LinkedIn. So it's been 19 years since something has come out like that. Um, it takes big chunks of podcasts, conferences, radio, public relations, journalism, like a lot of different fields get directly impacted. I think sales is the next thing that will go hardcore into Clubhouse. You can just have like spur of the moment webinars on any topic and just get, you know, hundreds of hand raisers coming in to, you can take them through whatever you want to. Um, so yeah, it's, it's in its infancy, but you know, we, we sort of, we skipped audio when we went from, you know, text and images straight to video and nobody did audio well with any sort of like global network. So there's no audio graph. It doesn't make any sense to me that you would want the same social graph from like Twitter or Telegram or Facebook or anywhere else for something like Clubhouse because the types of things that you wanna hear and that you wanna to listen to and the types of people you wanna to talk to and engage with and the skills required to, to operate in that medium are just so different and the product teams being completely oriented around just that experience are going to do so much better than some little, you know, SWAT team working inside of Facebook or Twitter. So all those efforts are just going to fall flat on their face. This has escape velocity, like a hundred X what Meerkat did when Periscope came out and overtook it. Um, I, I think get used to it. If you're not experimenting with it and playing with it now, you're just going to be late to it. I better, I better, I better get in on it. I haven't tried it yet, but I'm going to have to go try it out. I have the yeah. same. Honestly, it works on like iPhone 6s and SEs and stuff. Like people are just buying like $50 used phones. You can also download it on an iPad. Like it's not that big a deal. Um, the privacy sucks, but they, they, they pretend that you need to give your real name, but you don't. So people are figuring that out and Anons are coming on now, which is great. So. All right. I, I'm going to have to try this out anonymously, maybe. All right. And, uh, and Swan News. Um, I mean, I guess the biggest recent news is we launched Swan Private Client Services, which is for like high net worth individuals, but also allows us to serve the whole globe. So we're open internationally now for uh, like large wires, basically anything from like 25,000 to 100 million. Oh, sorry. Yeah. And we and we hired uh, Robert Breedlove is now uh, on the Swan team full time and is uh, head of that unit. So that's pretty cool. All right. All right. Well, keep keep up the great work. You've got your swan is everywhere. You send those dudes out. I mean, I got them on here every week. It seems like somebody. Uh, all right. Uh, very good. Great to have you back. Uh, Steve, what's what's your news? Any news? Uh, I wouldn't say any particular. Uh, we're constantly building right now. We're hitting every month is a new high in, in sales. So things are really good. Um, bigger and bigger clients are coming in, like more and more producers that sort of never weren't interested you know a couple of years ago are, are coming back to us so things are things are good in that front a few new products coming out but nothing no particular announcements i guess all right cool mauricio anything that was left out anything you want to talk about 
No, nothing. Uh, thank you for letting us talk about the round and the proof of reserves announcement. We're very pumped about that. And uh, yeah, check us out on Twitter. All right, dudes. That's the end of the show. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Best guest in the space. I'm Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Pound that like button. This week in Bitcoin, every freaking Friday. See you guys. Thank you, guest. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. I got to drop.